Hello, baseball fans. This is Sully Baseball. Is that how I do the opening? Wait a minute. That sounded weird. Hello, baseball fans. You're listening. How, how do I usually do the opening? Am I, am I that? Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. That's how I do it. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. Now I'm getting the hang of it. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. We're dropping this on the 24th day of September 2018 from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Uh, You know what? It just felt weird. It felt a little off. It felt like, I don't know why, it felt just like slightly out of sync. You know, like a Godzilla film or, or like one of those Italian Hercules films. It doesn't, it just didn't work. And, but that, now, that boom, now we got a podcast going. I don't know why that was so weird, but here we is. <laughs> I will sometimes throw intentionally grammatically incorrect things like that. Just because I know my mother's listening to this, and she probably rode off the street on her bike. I have to say this. I, I'm I'm feeling a little anticlimax here. It's it's a little anticlimactic. We're heading into the final week of the season, and the chances of absolute anarchy are really, really falling apart. First of all, there's virtually no drama in the American League right now. Because, look at the Yankees lost the game to the absolutely horrific Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles are, are playing, are, they've lost 110 games. This could be the worst Orioles team of all time. And think about this for a second. Around the beginning of September... The Orioles were only a few games out of out of the wild card chase. They knew that they had a decent September of 2017. They could have made it three consecutive trips to the postseason in 20 uh, with the yeah that that would make sense 2015 2016 is that right no. No, it's been three out of four years. Because they didn't make it in 2015. Because that was the Blue Jays won the division and the wild card game. Oh, man, what was the wild card game? The wild card was Astros and Yankees. Yes, okay. So 2014, they made it to the ALCS, and we thought they were going to make it to the World Series. They lost to the Royals. Uh, then they missed it in 2015, and then they lost the wild card game because Buck Showalter was trying to rest Zach Britton for the next day or whatever the hell he was doing. Uh, and then they were uh, on the fringe, but still thought, you know what, with a decent September, we can actually win the wild card. They had a disastrous September, and this year are the worst team in baseball. That's how fast it can fall apart, folks. That is how fast it can fall apart. Yankees lost to that team today. But the A's could not finish the sweep against Minnesota, which would have pulled the A's to within a half game, one of the lost column. But there's now, it's, they have six games left. The A's have six games left. And they have to 
they have to finish ahead of the Yankees. Because the Yankees, I, I believe, if I read this correctly, the Yankees own the tiebreaker. And so the chances of making of making up basically three games, they have to catch them in the loss column and then beat them. So that means they have to, they have to play three games better than the Yankees for the rest of the way. And there's only six games left. So it's... It's virtually, we see what the, the situation is. The Red Sox are going to have the number one seed. The Astros are going to have the number two seed. And they're probably going to match last year's win total. Uh, the Indians will probably have the same record as the Rays, but they'll have the number three seed because divisions. And then the Yankees will host the wild card game against the A's, and it's anyone's guess who will win that. The Indians are not going to have a great record, but they have 87 wins right now. And I think that they'll pro- if they can win three more games, it's palatable if it's a 90-win team in the postseason. You know, if the Indians won the division with like 85 or 86 wins, that would have been a disgrace. But if they win 90 games... Even if the Rays have a better record, you can point to you and say, yeah, but the Indians, the Indians are a good team. It's not like they're a crap team playing in a crap division, like when the Padres won the division in 2005 and they, won, they went 82-80. and 80. And because they got swept in the postseason, they finished the season 82-83. and 83. They finished the season with a losing record when you included the postseason. So it's not like that. If they win three more games, it's a 90-win team, everyone shut up. But, you know, the American League has been all pretty much wrapped up for a little bit. What's disappointing for your pal Sully is that the National League, which for a big chunk of the year looked like it was anybody's guess, is pretty close to being sewn up right now. The one hope is that the Rockies can continue winning big and either the Cardinals or the Los Angeles Dodgers can have a mini slump. But man, the I mean we talked about this earlier that the the fact that the Rockies lost five out of six games head to head to the Dodgers, and that's probably gonna be the difference for the National League West. I mean, since that the Rockies have won three straight games, and they're still only one game back in the loss column of the Dodgers. So, you know, the Dodgers, if they have a bad week and the Rockies have a really good week, they could catch them. Same thing goes with the Cardinals. So there's still a chance of that, but what we were hoping for was absolute total anarchy for this final week. And we're not going to get it because of how horrible the Diamondbacks have played. I mean, they just this colossal collapse. I mean, they've lost eight of their last ten games, and the Phillies have just been a disaster where all of a sudden... The Phillies, who were, you know, neck and neck and looked like the, when I went on uh, uh, Baseball PhD a month and a half ago, I said, oh, I think the Phillies are going to win. They have the best team. They were in first place. They may not finish 500. They're only one game over 500. The season where they were like, oh, my God, they're in first place for a giant chunk of the year. They could wind up with a losing season. You understand that? 
As it stands right now, the Pirates have passed them. The Phillies went from, hey, are we going to win the National League East? Are we going to have that kind of team that's dangerous in the postseason to, are we even going to be the best major league team in Pennsylvania? Which right now, the Pirates have the better record. You know, it's by percentage points, but still. Pirates are going to be a dangerous team next year if they keep stuff together. But, you know, philosophically, you know, we thought we were having this great run where, oh, man, the, the, the Braves are going to be neck and neck. The, the Cubs and Brewers are going to be neck and neck. The Cardinals are throwing their hat into the ring. Who knows who's going to win the West? And we're going to this final week. And really, the, the biggest thing we can hope for, if you want anarchy, is that the Colorado Rockies have a big winning streak. And either the Cardinals or the Dodgers have a big losing streak. And the Rockies are a fun team to watch. I want them to get in. But, you know, when you only have a week left, that one game in the loss column with no head-to-head matchups is tough! That's some tough stuff! Now, we're going to go on to tomorrow... As we're entering this final week of the season, like you know, the Astros are playing the Blue Jays. Astros, you know, the, it, if if there is a goal for the Astros, you know, because they've all but sewn up the the their the magic number is three to clinch the West. They're gonna they're gonna get there. Uh, I the goal for the Astros is to win three more games. Actually, four if it, four more games is to win four more games. Because then they'll be one. They'll get one more win than the team that won the World Series last year, and I just think that would be for that team. Not that that really means a whole hell of a lot, but it would be that little button pushing thing of like, yeah, yeah. Last year was a magical run. This year they had tons of hiccups and tons of injuries, and still managed to top last year's win total. Not that that really, you know, not that that matters, but you know, the Astros are the team to beat right now. The Red Sox are playing. The Red Sox are playing the Orioles. The Red Sox are 105 and 51. The Orioles are 45 and 110. Um, look, at, we all know my thoughts on the Red Sox this year and why I'm not happy with them. But this is a spring training game at this point. I mean, I mean, the Red Sox are going to win a couple of these games, and you know, even this just, just, at, you know, rest your regulars, you know. Bumps and bruises. There's no reason to treat these games with any amount of seriousness. The Yankees and the Rays are the most are a very interesting game actually because the Rays have been uh, almost eliminated and they have to win to keep whatever hopes alive. The A's, while it's the A's, could clinch a playoff spot if the Rays lose, but. If the Rays win and the A's wind up beating the Seattle Mariners, then they pull within half a game. And I think the A's should be gunning to get that wild card game at home. If for no other reason, that is to drag the Yankees' tired ass from Boston, where they'll be finishing the season in a series that will be absolutely meaningless to the Red Sox and have them fly across the country to Oakland. That should be their goal. That should be what they're fighting for. Um, but, you know, the Rockies are going to be playing the Phillies. 
And that is the most interesting series that is going on uh, starting this week. Because the Rockies can make two races interesting. The Rockies are the key to making this a dramatic week. Because if the Rockies go on a losing streak, if they wind up losing to the Phillies, they wind up losing to whoever they play. Who, who the hell do they play after this? They, they play in the Phillies, and then they will play... Hold on, I'm going to scroll down here to see. Then they'll play Washington. Okay. If they wind up playing losing ball to those two teams, then any drama's screwed. And then this last week of the season is just going to be a big dud. I mean, there's a real, real possibility that the final day of the season, which we all were hoping for it to be absolute anarchy and what this game and that game, there is a distinct possibility that the final game of the season will have no playoff ramifications for anybody. And that'll, st- and that'll stink. Because you want that final game of the season to be, hey, this, could, this ball bounces here, that ball bounces there. It could be the difference between going to the playoffs or not. If it's just a slate of meaningless games, that's going to be a crappy way to finish the season. So the the linchpin for enjoyment is the Rockies to stay on a winning to go on a winning streak and put the pressure on LA or put the pressure on St. Louis. If you are a casual baseball fan, and I've said this before, I've said it again, if it's not about your team, if you're from Denver or you're a huge Rocky fan, if you're a huge Cardinal fan, or you're a huge Dodger fan like many of the people here in Pasadena are. Obviously, you're rooting for your team to clinch outright and not have any drama. But if you're not a fan of those and you just like baseball, then what you've got to be rooting for is that one of those things be tied. Preferably the wild card. That's what you want. You want to have the second wild card finish with a tie. Because then you get that great sort of NCAA tournament thing going on where let's say the Cardinals and the Rockies tie for the second wild card team. Boom, they have to play a playing game. The winner of that playing game plays the playing game. The winner of that playing game plays the winner of the Central, which looks like it's going to be the Cubs. That's what you want. And so if you are a, and the only way that's going to happen, the only way there's even a remote way of that happening is if the Rockies play winning baseball for the next month. So if you like baseball with a dramatic, to have a dramatic conclusion to the season, go get your hat that has the C and the R on it, put it on your head and root, root, root for the Rockies. Because if they don't win, it's a shame. Now, I, I mentioned the Phillies, who are going to be the Rockies' first uh, opponent. And, man, the, the, the Phillies are just, they're playing like they're shell-shocked. You know, forget the manager of the year going to Gabe Kapler. It should be Snecker of Atlanta. I mean, he, he, they're having a wonderful year, and they're going to win 90 games. I mean, this, this is your, the Cubs already have 90 wins. The Brewers are inevitably going to win 90 games. It looks like Los Angeles is going to win 90 games. Uh, Atlanta just needs two more wins. So you're not going to you're not going to have that embarrassing sort of division winner with a low 
uh, win total in the National League either. There's not going to be, no one's going to win, it doesn't look like anyone's going to win 95 games unless the Cubs go on a roll. So you're going to have, you know, the the top team is going to win, you know, 93, 94 games. But you're also not, you don't have any 100 uh, loss teams unless San Diego just goes on on a colossal collapse the rest of the way. That's really the only hope is if, well, actually, no, that's probably not going to happen because the Padres are 62 and 94. So they would have to go, they would have to just lose every game for the rest of the season. And eventually they will win a game. I mean, as bad as they've been, they've won four of their last 10. You know, so eventually they'll run into a win. So you're not going to have a hundred loss team in the National League. But with the Phillies and this collapse, which has philosophically, you have to wonder: is this is this a collapse when a team played above their head for most of the year and then regressed to the, what they should have been at the end of the year? Uh, to a degree, yeah, because this is a team that's had a winning record and had playoff hopes for most of the year, and now they have to play really well the final week of the season to finish above 500. That's a collapse. You know, this is a team that, I don't know if anyone thought they were going to win the pennant, but I think people thought they were going to be a 500 team or, you know, show some big improvement. And with the collapse, I've been saying this, with the collapse... And the fact that there's there's a bad taste in your mouth that's going on with the Phillies. Just imagine if it was reversed. Think about this for a second. If it were reversed and the Phillies, the, the horrific September that they've had, imagine that was their April. They just got out of the gate stumbling, looking like, you know, look like the foreign exchange student didn't know how to play baseball in Little League. You know, borderline just having dandelions in their glove in in right field, picking their nose like lupus. That that's how they've been playing recently. Imagine if they started the season like that and then got to the point where at the end of the year there are a couple of games over five hundred. You would say, "Hey, look! If they got off to a horrible start, but they're finishing strong, and they may even finish with their noses above water." Then with the exact same record, you say, oh, what a success. This is a success with hope for the future. But because it was reversed and they were in first place for a giant chunk of the season and very recently were contenders until this absolute cataclysmic collapse of which they got their butts handed to them by Atlanta in in this horrific sweep to clinch the division to the point where it just doesn't even look like where they even... Yes, of course, they're trying. Players always try. I kind of hate it when people say, are they even trying? Yes, they're trying. But they're certainly not succeeding. And it's going to leave a bad taste in the mouth of Philadelphia fans. So let me tell you, this is this exact situation that should have Scott Boris salivating. His tongue hanging out like a Tex Avery wolf. God bless you if you get that reference. And saying, I have Bryce freaking Harper. 20, what, 26, 27 years old. 
still in his prime, still a solid player, and offering his wares to Philadelphia to mollify a fan base who is who would probably be angry. Now, I pointed that out, and I've already received people on Twitter saying, that's not what they need. They need more pitching. They have lots of bats. I know that. I'm aware of that. And someone else pointed out that, you know, he's not worth that kind of a contract, a 10-year contract. Your pal Sully will tell you, I don't think anyone's worth a 10-year contract. Including Mike Trout. Because players can get hurt. They can collapse. The greatest player I ever saw was Ken Griffey Jr. And he went through a six or seven year period where he couldn't stay healthy on the field when he was in Cincinnati. But someone will offer him and the Phillies are the exact team. They have money. They have money to spend. They don't have a huge payroll with huge financial responsibilities. They have a decent team and an angry fan base, which they can say, oh, look at this shiny toy we got. Now, someone pointed out that Bryce Harper doesn't like to be booed, and Bryce Harper wouldn't want to go to a place like Philadelphia. Let me tell you something. David Price hated the Red Sox. The Red Sox hated David Price. David Price signed with the Red Sox. Do you know why? Because the Red Sox offered him a Brinks truck full of money. CeCe Sabathia wanted to play in the National League where he could bat, and he was a West Coast guy, and there was an absolute perfect place for him to land, which was the Los Angeles Dodgers when he was a free agent after his cameo with the Milwaukee Brewers in 2008. He loved hitting. He loved swinging the bat. West Coast guy, National League. He signed with the Yankees. The opposite of everything I just said. An American League team on the East Coast. Why did he sign with the Yankees? The Yankees offered him a Brinks truck full of money. The Phillies have piles and piles and piles of money. And they want to make a splash. The Dodgers don't sign players to long-term deals. They don't like to play that game. The Yankees don't have room at the inn. And he's not a fit there anyway. The Red Sox aren't going to play with that. The Mets are screwed. And there's really... I mean, unless there's an absolute weird wild card team like the Mariners or the Rangers or some team, it's going to come down to the Cubs, the Nationals, or the Phillies re-signing Bryce Harper. And the Phillies are just stupid enough or possibly desperate enough to sign him. And all the other bullshit of... Well, he doesn't like this, he doesn't like that. He loves money. Money. I signed a deal a few years ago to work for a place that was very inconvenient in my life. Some of you following this podcast realize Sully goes back and forth between Palo Alto and Pasadena a lot. Why is that? Because of a job. An inconvenient job. 
Why did I take that job? Do you know why? Money! Money, money, money! And believe me, they didn't pay me what Bryce Harper was making, because if that's the case, let me tell you, the Sully Baseball Studio would be much more luxurious than this one, even though it's a lovely view of the historic Rose Bowl. But you're hearing it here. The collapse of the Phillies means they need to do something. Yes, they need starting pitching more than they need Bryce Harper. But they need the positivity of a big splash. Now, the big splash can turn into a flopperino. Hello, Angels and Josh Hamilton. Hello, Red Sox and Pablo Sandoval. Hell, hello, Angels and Albert Pujols. Big splashes. And let me tell you, I'm telling you this right here and now. The the team that doesn't sign Bryce Harper is going to be the team that wins the Bryce Harper sweepstakes. And... The one mistake, big mistake, huge mistake the Nationals made was they didn't shop Bryce Harper at the July 31st trade deadline because they could have received two solid building blocks for the future, could have turned the page. Instead, they're just going to get a couple of draft picks or whatever, blah, blah, blah. We've already gone through this. I think the Cubs will dip their toe in the water. For Bryce Harper, I think there'll be a weird team that we're not expecting. Possibly the Rangers, possibly the Braves or some team like that. And eventually the Phillies will be the one bidding with the Nationals because the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Mets are going to sit this one out. The one weird wild card that I'll throw out there is the Chicago White Sox, who don't have a huge payroll, who have a ton of young talent on the team and might think that adding a star like Bryce Harper might give the team a little boost. And you have that combination of Bryce Harper and Jose Abreu, and maybe that they'll spark the Andersons and the Moncadas and blah, 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 blah. They'll throw something out there, and it might be the sort of offer that will mollify fans. Like, hey, we tried. We tried. But watch them go to the Phillies. That's all I got to say about that. And the Rockies are playing the Phillies, and it will be good for baseball for the Rockies to smack the Phillies around because then you open up the possibility of the final weekend of the season having a little bit of anarchy. If we go into the final week of the season with the Rockies, the Cardinals, and Los Angeles all basically having the same record, that'll be fun. But in order to do that, the Rockies have to win a little and the Cardinals have to lose a little. And your pal Sully is going to podcast a little. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You could be old school. Send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Stumbling through the opening of this one, but I think I stuck the landing. This has been Sully Baseball for the 24th day of September, 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Do you know what? You can call me Sully.